Welcome to the Postpartum Coach Podcast, where we embrace our needs as moms, we learn to lead ourselves first, then our families, and where we create our own healing from the inside out to find our way to the work we were meant to do in this world. I'm your host, a fellow mom of three and a certified life coach, Lizzie Langston. Hello, you beautiful mamas, you beautiful things. Seriously, I think mothers are some of the most gorgeous human beings on the planet. There's just this radiance that comes as we raise children, whether that means you bore them yourself or you've adopted them or any other situation. It's just seriously amazing. A little fun fact for you, because I like to bring in fun facts, like why do all business, right? Got to have some pleasure. (laughs) Um, Did you know that I am a singer and a songwriter and I write music. I haven't um, done it in a while. Like as far as produced an album, I did my debut album. It's an EP. So it's got five songs on it. It's on iTunes and all major platforms. I just thought I'd share this with you because I don't talk about it a whole lot. I used to have it in the intro. I kind of took it out because I'm mostly doing coaching now, but if you ever want to like get to know me on a more, I don't know, intimate kind of creative level, you can check out my music. So I am on... Like I said, Spotify, iTunes, it's just Lizzie Langston, enjoy the ride. I will stick it in the show notes so that you can click easily to go listen. You can stream my music for free. You can buy it. I think it's like five bucks for the album. It's super great. Um, The favorite song that has a star on it in iTunes is actually called I'm Yours Forever. It's the fifth song on the album. My personal favorite is Calm the Rain. I would love for to hear your favorite. Another favorite is my single that I released before the album, which is called Promise Me. It's not on the album, but it's a different separate song. And I have a music video. My YouTube channel has some music videos. They're a little dated. Like I feel like they're older and pretty simple, but I sure love them. And they really make those songs come alive. Promise Me specifically has like a bunch of moms that volunteered to be on it. And actually the music video for the song, the song Enjoy the Ride, which is a really fun, upbeat a video where I star as the actress. Um, <laughs> it's uh, on I, or it's on YouTube as well, and that one has a bunch of moms that brought in their kids, and we all did a big dance party. And I got to ride this vintage bicycle that was donated to me. You know, it just was an amazing, fun thing, and I love music. So, Lizzie Langston, enjoy the ride. You can go check that out. As always, I'm just going to ask and remind that if anybody is really touched and uplifted by this podcast, if you would be so kind as to leave a written review with just a sentence or two or less even about this, why you love it, it really helps other moms find it and it becomes more searchable on the interwebs. I literally have a client who was really struggling in postpartum anxiety and found me through this podcast because it was the first one that came up when she Googled postpartum podcast. I don't know if it was the first one, but she found it. And so again, your reviews really help my business. They help me as a person. They help women and mothers who are struggling. So if you've gotten what you've needed just from the podcast alone, but you know that there are others who might need more help and and you like me and this podcast you want to share, seriously, the best way to do that is just go leave a review or share the podcast on social media, like take a screenshot of your favorite episode that you're listening to and just post about it. I would sure appreciate it. All right. Today is 
a follow-up to last week's episode. Okay. So last week you listened to an episode with me interviewing my client, Jeanette Harmon, who's also my friend. And, um, I mean, I actually didn't know her before we became client and coach, but that's the fun thing about coaching that maybe can't be in other professional relationships. Like I don't know about therapy. It seems like from what I've read that there's a little bit more of a faux pas there with developing friendships and like seeing each other at the store, there's just more restriction and privacy. But what I love about being a coach is that I truly do get to be a friend as well. I'm really good at balancing both and holding that space. So anyway, Jeanette shared an amazing, um, just trip and journey through her life of motherhood journey specifically and getting lost along the way and, uh, specifically in pursuit of being selfless. And so today I'm going to take that a step further. I loved her journey. I loved what she shared. And as I've continued to coach her and many other women who are my clients postpartum and beyond, I've noticed that there's a theme with women who get depressive and who are feeling grumpy, unfulfilled, inflexible, um, just miserable almost in their motherhood. This looks like either hitting or yelling at our kids a lot. We're resentful. We're not happy in our marriage. And there's just this overall like, oh, bummer. We didn't think motherhood would be like this. And we find ourselves here. If that's you, I want you to know like the guilt and the shame that you might feel, put it out the window. We have solutions and you didn't get yourself here on purpose. Okay. We don't feel crappy as moms on purpose. So today I'm going to experience, I'm going to discover, and we're going to go through together why this happens, how this happens. Okay. So we're going to learn three reasons why we don't have a relationship with ourselves in motherhood. Um, and then what is perpetuating this problem and then solutions that you can actually take home and apply and do about it and how coaching helps. Okay. So the first thing we're going to talk about is the three reasons why we as Latter-day Saint moms or Christian moms don't have a relationship with ourselves. The first thing I've noticed the calling of motherhood, we put it on this high, high pedestal. And I am not saying that it isn't amazing or that motherhood isn't important, but specifically the way that women who are members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints talk to themselves about the calling of motherhood makes it so that they feel like they cannot do anything else, that there's no time for anything else, that it's so eternally significant and eternally important. We get so caught up in the eternal significance, which there is eternal significance, but we also sometimes throw ourselves so far into that, that we forget our mortal limits. We forget and step aside from and put on the back burner our physical limits, our physical needs, social needs, right? Exercising, eating, resting, and sleeping. Sometimes we don't want to ask for help. We have shame that we can't do more on our own. So this is the number one problem. I think this comes from honestly a misunderstanding of doctrine too, but the family, a proclamation to the world, which for those who are not members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you can Google this document. It is a proclamation from our church leaders to the entire world on the stance that God has on the human family and mother, father, children, and all the roles in the family and what to do and how to create a family that is um, how God would have it, for lack of better words. And you can go check it out for yourself. But in that, when it's talking about the father's roles as provider and protector, it talks about the mother's roles. Her primary responsibility is the nurture of the children. Okay. And so we take this and we put all these extra things. We have this very specific vision of what that looks like, but the truth is how we do that, how we nurture our children and who we may be possibly hire to help us do that or who we outsource that to at times is our responsibility. 
So nurturing, you can do it. Somebody else can do it. But the responsibility of your children getting nurtured and being nurtured is yours. How you carry that out is up to each individual person. And I think there's a bit of tunnel vision here in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and closed-mindedness about what that can look like. And so we restrict ourselves. We tell ourselves, oh, we can't hire help. Um, We can't go out with our friends. Like That would be neglecting our responsibility as mom. And it really starts to bear a burden on us that is heavy and that frankly messes us up as humans. And so we're functioning as moms. And then we get to this point, which is when my clients come find me where we're completely burnt out. We're not happy. It's not sustainable. And we don't know what got us here. So that's the number one reason is the motherhood calling kind of narrative that we have going on. The second reason is we have all of us inside and outside of my specific church. We all as mothers, if you think about it, we have this socially constructed perception of what motherhood should look like and feel like. So before we were a mother, we only knew of motherhood what we had witnessed. You don't know exactly what it's like for you to be a mom until you are one. We like to think and our brain constructs expectations and visions of what it will look and feel like. And then the real motherhood happens. And this isn't helped when our own mothers paint a lovely, beautiful picture. And again, put motherhood up on that pedestal and hide the hard and don't talk to us about postpartum depression. And they don't talk to us about the things or not even just our mothers, our grandmothers or women in our lives. So tip number one, (laughs) that's actually not really related to this specifically, but truly like, let's all be more open and real about what it's like for the ones who are coming for our daughters and for our nieces and, and the women who are going to be bearing the next generation and taking upon themselves the mantle of motherhood. Let's be real. Let's not try to lure them or talk them into it and make them think how great it is because we're sharing the bad. Let's give them a full real picture of what it's like, the good and the bad, because it is amazing, of course, and it can be hard. So motherhood's neutral. It is what we make of it, but let's be honest about our experiences of it to give more of a realistic vision to the future mothers. All right. And then the third, that was a little bit of a tangent, but bear with me. I have a very big vision and calling here in this space. So I got to say the things. The third piece is the pursuit of selflessness. Now you heard Jeanette and I talk about women who want to follow Christ, who want to be selfless as they perceive he was selfless. And I'm not going to say that Christ wasn't selfless in the sense that he was so, he had so much to give as a half mortal and a half deity. Of course, he had so much to give and as a perfect being with all power, he had so much to give so much more arguably to give than we do. That being said, we love him and we want to follow him. We know that one day we'll be perfect like him and that's our goal. And so we really throw ourselves into this identity and this characteristic that we want of selflessness. And this is not any one church's fault. This is just a genuine misunderstanding though of the human experience. It is a symptom of people wanting to be like Christ so much that they bypass what they have to work with. They don't want to see their own limits. They want to push past them. And this isn't sustainable. And again, in motherhood, it leads to burnout, which is when my clients come find me when they're just really unfulfilled and not happy. So one thing I wanted to kind of combat this with or turn it on its head here a little bit is again, before our savior started his earthly ministry, right? So we love the Bible and we love the new Testament specifically and all that we get to see of our savior and all the miracles he did. But if you rewind a little bit, he took time for himself to get to know himself. He could have 
whatever, whenever the moment was in his life where he understood what his mission was going to be and he could fully glimpse that, whenever the Spirit of God revealed that to him and he knew what he needed to do, he could have started right then and there. But whenever it was, he took time to get to know himself, to develop his traits and qualities. He took time to get to know God and to understand his power. For 40 days and 40 nights, he was alone in the wilderness. And then even when he did start his ministry, he stopped and he ate meals. He slept. He paid attention to his needs. He cared for his mother. He, he took care of his personal life all along the way. And even his last dying breath, one of his last dying breaths on the cross, he delegated responsibility to his mother, right? He had his own life and his own personal interests that he still serviced as the savior to the entire world. So as the mother to your entire family, how do you follow Christ? Truly, if he did that, what does that look like for you? I want to argue that being Christ-like is also tending to your personal self-care. This is something that Christ showed us an example of in the Bible. It's not something that's talked about. We talk most about all the service he gave to others. We're always talking about service to others. We forget that in order to give service to others, we have to have a full cup. So that's what I teach my clients to do. I help them make up for years of not investing in themselves. I genuinely just use this example with a client today. I want you to think about your self-care as a bank. So when you serve your family, your husband and your children, you're cleaning the house, anything that's not you, it's for the family as a whole unit, which is great, right? That's part of our role as mothers. And as a member of the family, we're making a withdrawal from our bank. So if your name is Sarah, you're like the bank of Sarah. So Sarah made a withdrawal today for two hours when she played with her kids on the floor. Love it. That's what money's there for to be spent, right? That's what that energy within us is there for is to be used in the ways that we want to on the people that we love. But when the funds start getting low and we start feeling tired or our energy is low, or we start missing time to ourselves, you don't want to have insufficient funds. First of all, you get fees for that. And what I feel like the fees are in life is depressiveness and anxiety, shortness with our kids and anger. There is a cost that we must pay to the bank of ourselves when we are withdrawing so much and we're not, um, putting deposits in. Okay. So what a self deposit looks like is doing something for yourself by yourself with yourself, or it can be with friends or even your husband, but it's something where you are rediscovering who you are and you're doing it for you because you want to, if your husband wants to as well, great. If your kids want to come along and somehow that works for you, great. But it's a, it's a specifically a deposit with you where you come out energy energized on the other end. That is something that I work with my clients on is just going out and shopping isn't necessarily going to fill your bucket. There's a strategy and there's a mindset that must come with our time that we spend on ourselves. So more about that. If you become one of my clients, if you want to work with me, you know, book a consult, we can talk about it, but yeah, is that an amazing, I love that concept. And seriously, these concepts just bloop, drop down into my head from heaven. When I'm on the phone with my wonderful, wonderful, um, women that are my moms that I work with. So it's amazing. All right. So that was number one, motherhood calling and the way we talk to ourselves about that. And number two, socially constructed perception of what we thought motherhood would, motherhood would be like. And number three is the selflessness and the misunderstanding when we're trying to follow our savior with really good intentions, right? But um, now let's look at what allows this to problem to perpetuate. So 
Maybe even after listening to this podcast episode, you get it and it's clicking and you're like, oh yeah, I have some work to do. Or maybe before listening to this episode, you've known for a while, my love, right? You've known I needed, I need to be spending more time on myself. I think on a logical level, every mom knows that she should quote, should do this, that she quote needs to do this, but what keeps us not doing it? So there's three things. Number one, It's the easiest to put off. A relationship with yourself is the easiest relationship in your life to put off because the consequences of neglecting your relationship with yourself are harder to detect in this one with yourself than in any other relationship. Let me give you an example just for contrast. Marriage is the example. Let's say you are, you've been neglecting your marital relationship. You haven't been putting in deposits. You haven't been spending a lot of time together. You've been spread pretty thin. Maybe you're postpartum and that new baby. You've had a lot of family coming to visit. You had to do the blessing. It's just been busy, whatever it is. And so when our marriage is, we haven't been depositing into our marriage, we've been neglecting that relationship. The evidence of that is very easy to see out in front of us. Yes, maybe we feel it in our head and in our heart with our own emotions, but also we have things like our husband who's saying things to us like, hey, we haven't spent a lot of time together or, hey, I really miss you. Or let's say we try to have sex and it's a little bit like, ugh, I'm just not here. I'm not interested. I'm not present. I want to be doing other things, right? We're getting disconnected, 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 and it takes work and time to remedy that. So it's the same thing in our relationship with ourselves, but our relationship with ourselves is in our mind and in our body and only there. Um, it's not as physical, right? Because it's you, yourself, and I, me, me, myself, and I, right? For you. And so, um, especially if a healthy self-relationship has not been modeled for you, how could you know what that was like? So I think that's an, another piece of this um, first point here with perpetuating the problem is a lot of us have not had a healthy self-relationship modeled from our mother or just women in our lives or even people in our lives. This is very American. It's an American thing. It's a problem. Um, the second thing that perpetuates this problem is honestly overwhelm. So maybe... We want to spend more time on ourselves, but as soon as we start visualizing that and playing with that idea, here's what happens. We start thinking thoughts like, what is my husband going to think if I ask to spend this many dollars on a babysitter each week so I can go out by myself? Or what is he going to think if I spend money out to lunch with my friends, whatever, whatever, especially if you're not a working mom and you are a stay at home mom, we have a lot of money issues and, and sort of there's this muddy money narrative we have that keeps us from feeling okay about asking for money. And that is something that I address a lot with on consults as people are going through women, moms are going through the decision to hire me. A lot of these thoughts come up. And again, just like the decision to hire a coach, this is a decision, right? You're making a decision to spend more time and invest in yourself. You're making a decision to develop a relationship with yourself. And anytime we make a decision, all of the stuff from how we used to live comes up. Our brain throws it at us because genuinely our brain prefers familiarity over change. Even if the change is better and good for us and we want it, whatever's familiar is preferable to our brain. So that brings us to um, problem number three that perpetuates this is the brain. Sometimes the brain perceives taking time for ourselves as a threat to the family system. Let me say that again. Sometimes taking time for yourself can be perceived a little bit by your brain, even on just a more elementary, lower brain fear and flight level as a threat. 
I'll explain this specifically in a moment, but this is why it's so hard to actually bridge the gap between logically understanding we need to spend time on ourselves and seeing the problems that not doing that's creating, but then actually doing it. There's what I call the river of misery that we have to cross in order to actually become this fulfilled, self-caring woman who is playful and confident and has a relationship with herself because she's spending time with herself. It's really not actually hard to spend time with yourself. It's a matter of picking a day and time. You might have some thoughts right now. Like you might be resisting that. You might be like, whoa, whoa, no, it is hard. That's why I haven't done it. But let me just be real with you. Just like It's just like with weight loss. Not eating is actually easier than eating. Like going without food is actually easier than picking up the donut and putting it in your mouth. It takes fewer calories to sit there and not eat than to actually grab it and eat and chew and swallow and all that. But when you go without, that's when you have to deal with your brain. And many of us don't know what to do when our brain gives us all the reasons why we shouldn't or why we should eat the donut. And for self-care, our brain will give, your brain will give you all the reasons why you shouldn't spend time on yourself. All the fear comes up. Husband's opinion. What are the kids going to do? How, who's going to clean the house? Like, because we've never done it before, our brain's like, but what about, but what about, what, what about? And that's what I help my clients do is envision what their life and motherhood and marriage would be like if they did start investing in themselves again. So I'm going to offer you specific ways that I do help my clients to do. I'll give you as much as I can here on the podcast. There's no substitute for getting one-on-one help with this, especially if you really, if this resonates and you're like, oh my gosh, yes, I need to do this work again. I need to feel like I felt when I was single, where I loved myself and I was confident. I felt sexy. And now we get into this place in our marriage and with our kids and our motherhood where our whole self-concept is just what our parents, what our, not our parents, what our husband and what our kids think of us. And what they say to us is how we reconstruct ourselves in our family. We totally disappear into the family unit and we forget what it's like to be an individual along with a member of this family. So the solution, I'm going to give you a couple of things that I do with my clients. And then I can tell you, I'm going to tell you how I can help you more. The first thing is we look at fears. So you're going to need to look at the fears and face them head on. Now, without a coach, what we do is we back down from our fear and we bury it under the metaphorical rug, so to speak. Okay. With a coach, we have a safe place dedicated to taking our long hidden, long time hidden fears out, taking them out and looking at them, poking at them, getting curious about them. We learn so much about ourselves. And even if it's not immediately that we make a change, we understand why we haven't made the change. We get very clear about that. And just like with history, where we're going is a product of where we've been. We want to know where we've been in order to know where we're going. Same thing with your brain and your thought patterns. When you can, with a coach, unravel the exact reasons and thought patterns that have led to you being the person you are and doing the things you do or not doing the things you don't do then you're able to very much more clearly and easily get to where you want to go. So that's the first thing is you've got to bring up the fears that your brain offers to you. When you think about spending more time with yourself, you've got to look at them. That's what I do with my clients. The next thing I also do with my clients that I would love to help you do is, and this is so yummy and fun is visualizing. And I offer, please do this. Even if you're not thinking of hiring me, you never come hiring me ever, everyone. I want you to do this. So visualize, okay. The fears that you have, right? Or the problems or the obstacles, the things that feel overwhelming are almost impossible when it comes to spending more time on yourself and with yourself. Those aren't a problem 
they're not the only problem I should say. Like those do kind of stop us up. But another thing that stops us up that we don't realize is we haven't spent a lot of time visualizing the result. In other words, visualizing who we are going to become as a woman who has a very deep and loving relationship with herself. So I want you to, after this podcast and even pause it, if you will, but, um, I would say after, cause I have a couple more things here, but I want you to take a moment friend and really get some clarity and some visualization going of what would your life be like and what, how would you be fulfilling your potential even if you had a relationship with yourself, how did that act of creating a relationship with himself help our savior to fulfill his mission? And how is a relationship with yourself necessary to fulfill your mission? What parts of maybe your mission on earth and and the life that you want to live or that you think God has asked you to live are maybe not available to you or not able to be even touched because you're out of touch and you're disconnected from yourself, right? And you've got this depressiveness or this heaviness and this unfulfillment and this miserableness. So we've got, and then we've got implementing and evaluating. And this is really what I do with my clients. This is really where a coach becomes valuable is we meet in our sessions. You bring up stuff. We, you know, maybe there's crying, there's tears. We release old long held beliefs and we have, and in the session, we create a new way of looking at something and we genuinely adopt new beliefs. And then you go out throughout the week and you implement that. And then you keep me updated throughout the week. I have an app that I use specifically with my clients where they are able to update me throughout the week and I can check those messages as I'm able. And then we meet on the next session and we evaluate together. We celebrate the victories and we talk about what's still not working and we learn new things and we release even more old beliefs that have been keeping us in our stagnation or where we're at. Okay. So I want to just offer that coaching is a huge, amazing solution if this is you. So if this resonates, I have walked the path of forgetting myself and completely disconnecting from myself, of my hobbies, my joys, my pastimes. I have, I have walked the path of feeling like I didn't have a voice in my family or in my life, feeling like I was delegating all of my responsibility for my decisions to my husband and really not taking my power. I want to end by inviting you, if this resonates, to book a consult with me. I offer free hour-long consults. You can go to lizzylangston.com forward slash consult. And last but not least, words from our prophet, President um, Russell M. Nelson. So in his October 2015 address to the women of the church, he said, and this frankly, this is to the world, but specifically he was speaking to the women within the church. He said, we need women who have the courage and vision of our mother Eve. Mother Eve, all right, you guys, was the first to partake of the fruit. Adam was not happy about it. He probably would have said no if she would have come to him and asked him, asked him about it. Because he didn't have this depth of understanding that she did that was uh, distinctly a part of her role as mother of mankind. And I want to offer that your husband may not see it. He may not understand your need to take care of yourself, whether or not that includes coaching. Whatever your decision looks like to take care of you, whatever that next level is for you, come work with me if it's if it's me, right? If if the spirit's nudging you to come talk to me, or if if you're feeling drawn to me, that is usually what people say when they come book a consult with me. It's like I just feel this light, like I need that, I want that, I want to have that in my life. Um, and it's not like you're not faithful or of the gospel. It's just that we get lost. We get stuck in our heads and we get caught underneath our own thought patterns and we lose ourselves. And so I can help you come back from that. But again, going back to whatever your decision may be, 
Mother Eve didn't have Adam's approval and she did go back and talk to him after the fact. And yes, we can say, okay, she was deceived by Satan, but also she had knowledge and power. And after partaking of the fruit, she had even more knowledge and power. I want to offer that the fruit is always the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes the preemptive fruit that we need to partake of to help open that up to us and is the, is coaching, is helping us get out of our own way and meet our needs and understand what that looks like with a role model that has been there and that has done it so that we can get there and build that foundation to create the life and motherhood and family we want to have. So if that's you, I'm all in lizzielangston.com forward slash consult and I'll talk to you guys next week. Hey, Lizzie here. I've helped dozens of postpartum moms just like you to manage their postpartum anxiety and deconstruct their postpartum depression. It's really easy for me. So if you're ready to feel better, I know the way. Let's chat on the phone. Set up a time by going to lizzielangston.com forward slash consult. It's pretty simple and I will be calling you soon.